1: everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is David Valverde. David was born in Costa Rica and moved to Germany at seven years old. Spent most of his formative years in Germany until he attended Rollins College and University of Utah, where he majored in international trade and commerce and minored in computer science. David's fascination with artificial intelligence and software led him to meeting his teammates at Grabbit. They soon after got accepted to Y Combinator's summer 18 batch and decided to move to Silicon Valley. David is now the founder and CEO of Pranos.ai, the broadcast system that converts your car windows into transparent HD displays. David already currently lives in Atherton, California. He loves reading, playing tennis, and polo in his spare time. David, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. David, we're excited to have you on today. Let's hop right into it, man. Tell us about yourself and tell us about your upbringing. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, originally I'm Costa Rican.
2: Um, my grandmother is actually a full Korean. And that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you guys to begin with because I've always kind of identified with the Korean culture mm-hmm. and the Korean food as well. Um, but when I was seven, I moved to Germany and I kind of grew up there till I was 19. And then I went to college in the US. And I've been here ever since shortly after college, you know, it's kind of an interesting story and a, more of like a serendipity type story. Um, you know, I was in the library and I met co-founder at grab And then we became really good friends. I mean, we, we were friends from before, but then, you know, we, we kind of started working together and then next thing, you know, we, we got accepted to YC and then, um, you know, everything kind of took off from there. Um, but we just, you know, grabbed it. we uh, we kind of had to shut down the company because uh, we ran out of runway. So mm-hmm. at Bonos, we're doing something completely different, but, um, you know, we're building a consumer product that converts car windows into digital displays. So that's uh, that's essentially what we're doing.
0: You make it sound so easy, man. Getting YC is no joke, and correct, congratulations on that. Yeah. And I know, like, being an entrepreneur is really difficult. Can you kind of talk through, like, what were the key lessons that you learned from your first venture that didn't go well, and how did you learn from that and correct yourself in the second venture of Pranus.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, one of the main things and how I've always seen it is, I mean, I, I didn't really grow up wanting to be an entrepreneur, right? I wanted to be a doctor and soccer player. And even in college, I was a bio major and I switched like halfway through. So it wasn't like being an entrepreneur was really in my cards. Um, but one of the biggest things that I've learned was, uh, just surrounding myself with people that are more experienced and would be considered smarter. Um, you know, as far as, you know, I wasn't, you know, when, when I joined the gravity team, I was, uh, you know, I was probably the most junior person on the team. Everyone else was like 40 and up and they were kind of senior guys in the corporate world. And I think that strategically made sense to me. And that's something I still do at Pranos is, All of my executives are, you know, 40 and up and they're senior exec. I mean, they're they're senior in the corporate world and they're obviously still senior in in our startup, but um just surrounding yourself with people you can learn from, not being intimidated that yeah, they they have more experience than you in certain areas. But I think a lot of times people build startup teams, they try to build it with people around the same level as them. For me, I've always kind of (laughs) always found people that are just further along than me. So that's us. That's one of the biggest lessons.
0: Oh, I like, I like that approach a lot. Yeah. You know, I just really surround yourself with people that you want to get to the next level with. I think that's the best way to leverage yourself a lot. Um, out of curiosity, man, like, Pranos, like, what what is it? How'd you come up with the idea? It sounds so cool. You know, and during the time of this recording, congratulations on raising uh, $600,000 from WeFunder. You know, you definitely want to hear hear more about the inspiration behind Pranos.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, we have some reservations on, on, we fund that we haven't officially launched the campaign. Right. We're looking to, uh, we're looking to dilute about 6% and, uh, we just have some reservations. Nothing's confirmed yet as far as investments. Um, we've gotten a lot of traction so far.
0: Um, and really, can you ask the the first part of the question again? So I can, yeah, I just want to hear inspiration behind it. You know, what started this whole thing. I mean, it's
2: just, it's been a long road. I mean, it's been three, four years in the making. Um, I've spent a lot of time in China, uh, solidifying the supply chain, Um, you know, and and, and you're really just listening to some of the, some of our bigger supporters around the world. We got, after the TechCrunch article, we've gotten attention from basically every continent. And, you know, we've taken trips to Nigeria, I've been to Dubai, Australia, and there's people that want to just take our product and launch it in their markets. And just kind of, you know, the inspiration it was just a lot of iterations, just listening to people and, and, and really understanding what it was that we we're building. I mean, it wasn't just, in the beginning. We were just, you know, we created a cool display system, um, you know, grab it. We we're selling ads. And then we realized that, you know, at Pranos we're doing something different where we're just building a consumer product that allows for anyone to buy and to basically screen mirror anything that's directly from their phone and just express themselves. And that's how we plan on getting to scale. But so to get to really the inspiration has been just listening to the people and listening to our bigger, biggest supporters. So. Mm-hmm. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Was there like um, a specific problem that you saw in the market that kind of fed into this inspiration of you starting Prenos?
0: Cause it's pretty, it's pretty niche.
1: It's pretty unique. Yeah. yeah. Like you wouldn't really hear a lot of a lot of other companies that have started something like this. Yeah.
0: I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at the window and be like, maybe I could put ads there. <laughs> you know, like I want to hear like that, the genesis of like what triggered that idea.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it was just a lot of different ideas over time to get to this point, a lot of input from a lot of people and we were able to kind of synthesize it into, into a product we can take to market. But, Really the genesis, I guess, I mean, you know, the out of home world is kind of turned off, right? If you really drive around anywhere in the world, it's just billboards, maybe some digital taxi toppers, maybe in the big metropolitan areas like New York or San Francisco, maybe the bus shelters. So as far as digital signage outside, it's a lot of it is static and unless you're in Times Square. um, But so we kind of realized that we can build a cost-effective consumer product that can go on all cars. It's affordable, scalable, and there's a valid proposition, and really interesting value proposition for consumers, because we're probably the first ones to allow for consumers to buy this buy this unit and also uh, generate their own content. So, um, you know, in, in the out of home world, it's you know billboards and bus shelters. It's usually the businesses and the corporations that generate the content, right? It's usually ads or nonprofits. Here you could drive around, and you, maybe you want to run your TikTok account. Maybe you want to run your podcast. Maybe you want to run, uh, you know, a political message. Maybe you want to run ads, which is our phase three of the launch, yeah. which will allow for geo, you know, geo-targeted uh, ads. But that's when we get to scale. But so that's kind of the idea behind this, just allowing people to express themselves outside in a in a cool way.
0: So I like that. I mean, I never thought to, to advertise my podcast behind my car and drive <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or whatever. That, that's a, that's a really cool idea. Um, in terms of like, as you mentioned before, it's like a three to four years in the making, right? Like, how did you prepare for this? What was your go-to-market strategy? Because, you know, looking at this and thinking, oh yeah, it's a great idea, but actually putting turning this into reality and looking at supply chain, like what was, what was that process like? And what was your experience like going into this? Do you have any idea, like, do you have any ideas of how like windows work or cars work or something? Yeah. Maybe like the, the foundation?
2: Yeah, that's a great, great question. I mean, I think that, you know, like I said, we we got into YC right after I graduated, probably six months after I graduated from a bachelor's degree. So I've always, I guess I've since college, I've been an entrepreneur, right? So, um, it's all just been just a lot of just diving into the deep end and learning. So that's how it feels. I just dove into the deep end of the pool and couldn't swim at first, but you just, you do it so much and you get, and you leverage people around you, you bring key people, you bring, bring key advisors, um, to help you out and advise you. Um, so that's really how I've kind of done it. I've just kind of, of, I've brought in people that kind of, uh, basically, basically I brought in people that fit in the gaps of what you would consider, what you would consider my lack of experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am relatively young, I guess. And that's, that's a good question because I think that's, one of, that was one of my biggest insecurities at first was just be, that I was so young mm-hmm. and trying to put something together that was this big. Even when we're in China, you know, and when we're talking of, you know, CEOs at, you know, automotive manufacturers, we're, ta- we're under NDA with Hyundai and Honda, right? And conversations with senior executives at big, big corporations. And I'm like straight out of college. You know, it, at first it was, <clears throat> it's, it's definitely, uh, Scared. A bit uh, <laughs> intimidating, yeah, scary, intimidating. But you eventually kind of try to master what it is that you're doing, and really surrounding yourself with the right executives. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm I'm a I'm an expert in automotive world or in, in, in optics or yeah or really anything. I'm I'm just there's so many pieces that we're just putting together and. And deploying it as a product. So there's just, yeah, I guess you kind of have to be really naive to put something like this together. <laughs> the, I think the, the naivete was a big thing for me, just being yeah. a young and, and just doing it. Um, so yeah, and it's working out pretty well. I mean, people love what we're doing. So
0: yeah, I, I like what you guys are doing. And I think you bring a really good point too, because you have a lot of people on the entrepreneurial, or we yeah. have a lot of people on our podcast. And the, the most, Common thing is that a lot of founders that we have who have made it big are pretty naive and they kind of just hop into this, not thinking it was going to be hard, you know, because they didn't have a solid understanding of what was, what was required. And that's like the common theme, with volunteers we have in this podcast, it's like, they follow their passion and they just jump into the deep end and just figure things out, you know? Right. Which
2: is interesting, right? It happens all the time in Silicon Valley. It's like, yeah, it's like the Airbnb guys, it wasn't like they they came from hospitality hospitality backgrounds or finance backgrounds. You know, he came from a design background or something, something yeah, right. random. But so you know, it's kind of weird how how you put it together. But
0: interesting. So that's, that's entrepreneurship in general. Like you are the one figuring out the how. You're piecing things together. You're making things move forward. You're keeping yourself accountable. You know, you are the architect of building that vision. And sometimes that also involves maybe not being the, the complete expert at first, but it does require you to be some sort of expert as you go through the process. Otherwise you can't make those great decisions, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I love how you brought up that, you know, you definitely were one of the youngest people as you were coming into this. And so a lot of people inside AHN, you know, they are, you know, hustlers and they're you know trying to be entrepreneurs and oftentimes they are the youngest in, you know, whatever team that they're joining. And so there is a lot of, you know, imposter syndrome that goes along with it. And, you know, I, I love how you brought up the really important thing is just to sur- surround yourself with really good mentors, surround yourself with really smart people to uplift you and elevate you to the point where, you know, you can learn and you can um, immerse yourself into that environment.
0: Yeah. So my question is, for the next one is, when you're engaging all these talents at the very beginning, we understand that, you know, this is not a cheap thing. This is not like a low cost, low overhead to execute this idea. How did you start paying your team immediately? Is it through like a North star? Is it the vision that we want to get to, or did you have like funding in place already? And if you had funding in place, how did you get the funding for something that you didn't have a product yet? Well, so we we've,
2: we've had a product for a long time. We've had a, MVP for a long time and now our commercial viable unit is almost, is almost ready. Um, and, and you, you can actually see pictures of it on our, we page. Um, but really uh, it's, it's my story is a little weird just because everything kind of just came together and almost like, and like, a, like something off of a movie just because a lot of the pieces just kind of came to me. Like my team grew organically. You know, I spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley socializing, networking, and, you know, I tell everyone, what I've been up to, but so it's like almost everyone I run into wants to be a part of it, (laughs) either, either as an advisor or as an operator or a manager. And so I, I think we've just been fortunate that we've been able to attract talent just organically. Um, so people understand the vision, which is, you know, democratizing content distribution in the out of home world. Um, but it, but, but I think one of the most appealing things to people is just the, that we're kind of pushing the needle when it comes to, uh, leveraging existing real estate and converting that into a a mechanism that can distribute content in, at a low cost, in a low cost way, which, so, I mean, and of course the aesthetics of it, right. It's a really cool, futuristic looking display. Every time we bring our cars around, people take pictures, they surround it. You know, it's, it's definitely a neck turner. Um, so I think that's definitely one of the biggest things for us is just the aesthetics of it and the appeal. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've been fortunate in that way. Um, but yeah, I think it, whether it's investors, advisors, a part of foreign partners, people just always reached out to me and being part. And so I really have really there's some recruiting that I've done a little, very, very minimal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mostly, it's just been kind of vetting people and making sure they're a good fit. But um, I think we've been fortunate in that way.
0: Yeah. I love how the universe always always sort of helps out the entrepreneurs a bit. It's like, when yeah. you have a great idea, you just attract like-minded people who want to come and help you a lot. So that's awesome. Yeah. I know that your product has gone a lot of traction online through celebrities. Can you kind of quickly talk to that? Like, Who, who are your top celebrities? What was the process like? And what was it like, like negotiating with them and meeting them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, it, it, so we're actually working with uh, Sticky
2: Fingers, who was a uh, he was a hip hop superstar back in the '80s. Uh, he was in a rap group Onyx. He was signed by Def Jam, and you know, he you know he was pretty big in the in the urban music scene. Um, and he's kind of an advisor for us. He introduced us to a few record labels. Um, we got invited to the Grammys, and there, you know, we we connected with another boutique uh, record firm, a uh, record label. And you know they connected us with uh, Lady Gaga's team, Rich the Kid's team. Um, we're, we're working with quality control too, which is the Migos label, Migos label, and Cardi B's label. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that's another thing that I want to say is, for some reason or another, the media and the hip hop industry, particularly the hip hop industry, really loves what we're doing. Maybe it's because it's flashy and it looks luxurious. So mm-hmm. a lot of them, um, DJ Khaled, as well. Um, has expressed interest in owning a unit, but the unit wasn't ready yet when he expressed his interest. Um, so it's just, I think that as far as going to market, that's going to be really helpful for us is the appeal by these uh, influencers, right? Um, so we will be deploying, um, and we're actually in talks with uh, Kanye West's cousin as well. Um, I think that's probably the biggest one so far um, and trying to see if he's going to lead this next round. Kanye West is also a an investor, um, mm-hmm. so for some reason, like, like I said, I, I guess I'm, I keep kind of mentioning it. Uh, the the holly you know Hollywood and the media industry just is fascinated by this. So mm-hmm. hopefully, that's going to help us out as far as
0: scaling and really going to market. So yeah, I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, you know. But.
1: Uh, it's just uh, yeah, that's amazing for you to get you know recognition and you know for celebrities to jump on board with this idea. And I definitely think you know the it it is really big in the hip hop scene just because it's really flashy, right? It, like garners a lot of attention. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do want to shift the back the focus back to you. You know, talk about your challenges as a CEO and co-founder or founder of this product. You know, like what what kind of challenges you face on a day-to-day basis like walk us through like what is your day-to-day decision-making like you know because you're making a lot of big decisions now and you're getting a lot of attention a lot of funding uh, what goes your, what goes your, like through your mind like mentally emotionally
2: right right you know I really base everything I do with our our values I have a lot certain values that that I kind of make all my decisions based off of and then also our company I mean and then of course you know I'm trying to implement those same values to the company culture, um, and, and and just being navigating, helping the values kind of direct the the direction we go in each decision. That's how I approach every decision, um, and uh, you know, just being as informed as possible. You know, I I try to get briefed by you know my executives and try try to understand the the particular uh, subject, and then just trying to basically uh, make the the best decision I can in the moment, but. I really do the listening a lot of times. I, uh, I mean, I see my executives as advisors really as well, um, and coaches. And so I'm not really the one that micromanages or tells them what to do. A lot of times they tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's why you bring in these, these guys on, on your team is, is, is to, uh, it's to, you know, kind of tell you what to do. And, and I know it's kind of hard for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's, it's the ego thing, right? And, and, and then, you know, if, if you tell, if you have one of your team members letting you, if, if you kind of let your team members tell you what to do, a lot of people are under the impression that um, you're probably not a good CEO and all that. I mean, I, I see a lot of like repetitive rookie mistakes for like uh, first time CEOs or, or founders. Um, and I think the ego gets in the way. Sometimes you just got to get yourself out of the way and let the experts do what they do best and, and listen to them and, and you know, I think that's how I approach it. Um, you know, I, uh, I tried to take that approach, which is a little different, I think, um, because a lot of, if you notice a lot of startup CEOs, they, they're very tyrannical. They like to micromanage everything. They like to keep everything in silos. They're not transparent. So things of that nature, I try to, uh, to kind of mitigate as much as possible.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, David. And, um, you know, I'm I'm curious to know as a C, as a first time CEO, what type of challenges did you go through uh personally and like how did you kind of overcome them?
0: Talk about your growth, you yeah. know, since like since day one, you know, what was a Yeah. What are some things that you were scared? Mm-hmm. Were some things that you were fearful? How did you overcome them? What are your what what are you like now?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, two I, I do think I'm very much a very different person than I was let's say 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um you know I was I think a lot of it is in your head a lot of the a lot of insecurities are in your head um but also I I think I've become more grounded more objective with my approach I've uh worked on not being so egotistical and narcissistic I mean I used to be kind of over the top when it came to how uh, express myself my myself in general <laughs> just you know very confident but almost over the top to the point where you're like arrogant and you know I I was young and you know when you're young out of college and and you see a lot of success can get can get in your head um but you know the ups and downs have allowed me to kind of humble myself and kind of understand that this is a incremental process right Mm -hmm. and that I don't know I mean I've I've I definitely have tried to uh work on on things like that. I, I used to just be kind of obnoxious, I think. So, and I, I'm just trying to be as honest as possible. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people hate to admit those things and that's why they don't really grow. Right. And, you know, I, I just did a lot of introspection on on things that may rub people the wrong way. And I mean, I was still closing deals and i was still attracting people to my company, but then it, at the end of the day, you still, you, you, you start to kind of put yourself in the feet of others, in the shoes of others and try to understand how they they feel about something and, and not just negotiating deals that are beneficial to you, but f- figure out win-win situations. Right. So I think that's been a big part of my development. It's just trying to find common ground goal alignment and, and try to, uh, yeah, just, just always find win-win scenarios. I think that's the best way to summarize it.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. I also want to know, um, you know, like personally, I think this is more for just educating myself because I don't know a lot about the industry that you're in, but it's so interesting to us, you know, and um, in terms of like competition, I'm sure you know who your competitors are. Like I personally wouldn't know who they are, but how do you view competition and how do you kind of use that um, to elevate your own business?
0: Yeah. And before you get to that question, I do want to acknowledge the fact that, you know, you are aware how we how you were before you know i do want to give you a lot of credit for growing for continuing to grow as a person you know because these things aren't easy to admit especially as a founder because you always have this internal belief where it's undying where you have to believe in yourself and no one else does, you know, <laughs> and it's good that you recognize the the good and the bad and you're trying to work on yourself. So commend you for that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like some CEOs, they take a, a long while to actually like grow from their starting point And for you to kind of recognize like where you came from and how much you've grown shows a lot about, you know, how much you have developed yourself. Yeah.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it means a lot. It's, uh, it's just identifying your weaknesses and, owning them allows you to you know work on them or else you just think you know it all and I, I do see that pattern in a lot of people they they I mean none of us know it all I mean you could be Einstein and you're never going to know it all right um, so you do see that and in Silicon Valley people are very humble with how they approach things but the rest of America is just you have a conversation with somebody and they like to always be right and you don't always have to be right about everything you know so you know I've just kind of learned things like that that resonate with me you know I know they sound cliche but I live them now and I see the difference every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
2: But, um, I, but I think you asked the question. I, I missed it. Though.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just curious to know how you view competition, because I'm sure yeah. there are other companies who are kind of doing something similar. Um, and so how do you view competition in that in that market? And how do you use it to elevate your own company? How do you make sure that you um, remain unique in your own market?
0: Basically, what we're asking is how do you see our product manager or your product?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. So one of the first things that we did was, you know, I found the best uh, law firm I possibly could in Silicon Valley and uh, IP IP firm. And, uh, you know, I partnered up with them on the corporate securities end, but also on the IP end. And we made sure we build a very, very comprehensive patent portfolio throughout um, utility patents, business method patents, design patents, and we just continue to amend them. And we just filed with international PCT. We actually just coincidentally, we just filed international PCT with the Korean Search Authority. So, you know, our our, our patents are going to be international now. Um but yeah, so that as far as competition, we don't really have much competition. I mean, I know that's a naive thing to say, but mm-hmm. other than maybe the digital taxi toppers, Firefly, um, mm-hmm. but they they have a taxi topper business model. They just showcase ads, people can't own a digital taxi topper. You can't buy one and just mm-hmm. post whatever you want. These are just given to you by, by the company, you're a taxi driver, and you get to drive around with it, right? Um, so, as far as competition um, I mean, in the competitive landscape, there's not much. There is a company in China that's also using rear projection technology on their on the rear windshields. I mean, you may see it in China here and there, but they're not doing too well just because their business model is also flawed. Um, and, and people, and that's why our business model, going go B2C is, is definitely very attractive because it's hard for a lot of these companies to reach scale. And that's something we figured out. We figured out the right strategy for scale and which we believe is the, the B2C play. But, um, yeah, I think hopefully that answered it. I mean, it's, I mean, there's, yeah, as far as, I mean, I was, so just to kind of give you guys a bit more information on that. I just had a conversation with a former uh, director of a uh, an, uh, former director of NHTSA which is the uh, agency that regulates uh, traffic and safety across the United States. It's a, a government agency. And you know, he's he's now in the private sector and he's very interested in joining us perhaps on the advisory end, but you know, he's basically he wrote the law himself on, you know, dri- uh, driving while you're texting and the law revolving autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the United States. And yeah, he loves what we're doing. And um, he basically said himself that there's really no one doing what we're doing right now. So, I mean, we just, so we're, we're really good to go. There's really no legislation against what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So as far as competition, I like to say we're the first movers, but I also want to make sure that we're the last movers as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but of course that's always hard if we're really successful. So we'll see, but
0: yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I think you guys are on the right track. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you quickly talk a little bit, a bit about the mission statement, of like what are you guys looking to achieve? What is it, what is your ultimate vision of what the company looks like in the next five to 10 years?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, we want to democratize content distribution and we want to unify the world with a decentralized network of outdoor communication. And really the goal is, you know, five, you know, 10, 20 years from now, um, it's, uh, really, our, our, our business model, just kind of paint a picture, so you guys can understand what, what it is that we're doing. Uh, then we'll, get to, we'll get to a point where you can own an autonomous vehicle like, that you own as your, your investment, and it goes off and it picks people off, drops people off, it picks food up, it drops food off, and then it also runs ads, right, or content, right, um, through our grid. Um, so we, we wanna really create a system that subsidizes transportation, And allows people to earn passive income, you know, at the comfort of their home, right? So you know they're at home hanging out, and you have this autonomous vehicle make money for you. So I think that's the future of work, and that's what I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. So what I'm what I am envisioning is, you know, someone could pay me for ads, and I could project that on my window as I drive to work or as I drive to get whatever, Mm -hmm. you know um can you kind of talk through like technology how it works exactly is it a, is it a brand new windshield installation in my car is it a projector that pushes out onto the the windshield like, how does it work
2: yeah so we have uh, developed a proprietary film that goes on your window mm. um and then also the display source is a, a projector um that we built and the hardware that we built the media player that's also custom software so basically what it looks like, it's your, for example, and you, you'll see, you'll see a picture on the WeFunder. We designed it to look like a headrest, so you take off your headrest, you put the new headrest off, and the projector is actually built into the headrest, mm-hmm. and that uh, basically projects onto the to your window, and that's and it really we we designed it to be very turnkey. You know, you can remove it, put it back
0: on, and all that. So
2: um, that's just, I mean, that's a summarized version of what it is. That, okay.
1: Oh, that's oh, very cool. That's really cool. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm thinking about how many is these are ready.
2: You should, you know, yeah, I'll definitely send you one. When, when, when is ready,
0: I'll send both of you guys. Once. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> do it. Was, my friends are going to be like, what the heck is this? I'm like, dude, it's
1: so cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's your goal for the next year for Pranos?
2: Yeah. So really our, our goal is really closing the round that we're currently, uh, fundraising, um, like I said, we are planning to dilute at about a target of six percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the goal is to hit market and to start uh, generating traction as far as you know, of course, revenue. Right? We're pre-revenue, so mm-hmm. generating revenue is obviously a big one. But um, we, based off of our case studies, um, we 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 already found product market fit, but we just want to make sure that. I mean, I guess product market fits a really relative term, right? Never ends, but I mean, some degree of product market fit where we're going to be able to at least achieve some type of traction and then, um, really just, uh, start getting feedback on our user interface, right? Because we want, we're, we're, we're finalizing the app, right? So we want to make sure that the app is easy to use. The hardware is easy to install. So the goal for the rest of the year is just to make, to start kind of, uh, iterating on, on some of the initial user feedback. Gotcha.
0: I know you mentioned a lot about like user feedback and hearing about the customer. How are you guys collecting this user feedback? Is it through a survey or is it through emails? And you know, how often are you getting these type of feedbacks from the from your customers?
2: Yeah. So, like I said, our, our commercial viable unit's not ready yet. So once it is ready and we start deploying it to uh, our long waiting list of customers from around the world, we will start getting some of that uh, consumer generated feedback. But as of today, we've you know ran a lot of surveys. We've uh, you know mostly surveys and case studies,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, you know we've like I said, the CTO at Grabbit was also the CTO at Pranos. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know some of the other another executive from Grabbit. So some of the some of the team at Grabbit still at Pranos. Um, but so we we just learned a lot from. I mean, it was like a fail fast experience. It was, you know, eight months. We're the top of the world. Next thing you know, we ran a runway. We couldn't raise any more money. Because the business model was broken and it was sustainable. So, and, you know, I don't want to talk too much about that, but, you know, really it's, we learned a lot of lessons about content distribution and out of home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were, and just selling ads was not scalable. So um, I think that just, Learnings from our previous experience and then just the surveys and people we're talking to, and some of our uh, demos that we've conducted. Um, and I'd love to share a video, but I don't know if I'm able to. But um,
0: we can yeah. put that in our show notes, so no worries. I,
2: you want me to send it to you after? Is that what you said? I didn't yeah, hear
0: it. yeah, send it well, we'll it in our show notes.
2: Okay, yeah, so basically, we did a we did like a showcase in Dubai, right? With mm-hmm. the road and transport authority and they really like it. But it was still a lot of off the shelf components. The product just wasn't ready yet. So we the deal's not closed, but you know, just to kind of you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback from things like that. A lot of those conversations and, um but yeah, I guess, you know, at the end of the day you, you really gotta hit we got we really gotta hit market. Mm-hmm. We gotta hit market okay. some, So
0: definitely.
1: All right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. You're incorporating all of that feedback because at the end of the day, you don't want to put out a product where no one really wants. And so customer feedback is super important. Um, and so David, we have one last question for you. If you could give one advice to an aspiring entrepreneur, what advice would that be?
2: Ooh, that's a, I mean, I, I could write a book about this just because of all the stuff that I've been through, but. Um, I guess just really uh, one of the biggest things I think as a first time entrepreneur is you're a bit delusional and you overvalue your company. And sometimes you're, you're just kind of crazy on the terms and things that like, you just waste a lot of time just making a lot of those rookie mistakes on terms and, and uh, projections. And you just got to, uh, either join a really successful accelerator that has advisors or try to get advisors on your cap table whatever the case may be, but try to get people that really have done it before and actually listen to them because mm-hmm. it sounds cliche, but, and I, I, I listen to some things, but there's a lot of things I wish I would have listened to early on. And I, I would have saved even more time. Um, but yeah, just try to listen to these advisors. Um, a lot of times they know what they're talking about. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm just a good example of, I mean, I listen to, to some, some things, but not everything. So, I guess just, you know, try, try to surround yourself with senior people and listen to them. I think that's my biggest advice. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's
0: really good advice.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and how can our listeners find out more about you and Pranos online?
2: Yeah, so just uh, feel free to check out our WeFunder, uh, slash Pranos.ai. Um You can just search us on on WeFunder. You know, Pranus.ai is our website. Um you know, just either a website, um, we found there in my emails, David at If you have any other questions or follow-ups, um, but yeah, hopefully that was valuable. Hopefully some of that resonates with somebody. Um, like I said, it's, 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 it's a long journey of just self-discovery really. So you just got to be open to, to learning. That's really the biggest thing.
0: Definitely. So.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today, David. It was amazing having you on and learning about your story in Pranos.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you being the show today, man. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show.
1: We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned.
0: Thank you guys so much.